Hello and welcome to the Herbicane Podcast. My name is Simon Osmo and I'm a former UK police detective turned entrepreneur and mindset coach. And on this podcast, I talk with impactful individuals from around the world who have navigated a life pivot, found themselves for a self-discovery to find that thing that we've all been looking for, a happy and fulfilled life. So the excuses are over, my friend. It's time to change our thinking so that we can change our lives and come join me as we dive into this week's conversation to learn how they became who they became. Friend, welcome back to the Who Became podcast. This is episode 56. I'm Simon Osmo, and I'm so glad that you are here. Now, today's guest is Michael Finkley, and wow, you are in for a real treat, my friend. He has an incredible story of overcoming, perseverance, and the love of a mother not letting him settle for anything less than the success she feels that he deserves. Now, who is Michael Finkley? Well, he is the host of The Michael Finkley Show, He's the creator of the Michael Finkley Experience, where he prepares people who are the first in their family to enter the college system to ensure that they get the support in both the preparation and how to study whilst there. So I've got to know Michael over the last few months and actually appeared on his podcast, which I'll link in the show notes below in case you're interested in taking a listen to his interview of me. You're going to hear during this podcast his servant heart, why he's now pursuing his doctorate, and the advice that his mother gave him to never get a job, seek out a career. Never get a job, seek out a career. And now that's become part of his DNA. Okay, one last thing before we get into the conversation with Michael. I want to read to you a review which appeared on Apple Podcasts, which really touched me. And the initials, if you like, are DGK El Nino. So I don't know if that's the name of the person or just their Apple ID. But here's what the review said. This has become one of my favourite inspirational podcasts. The guests and the topics vary, but the episodes all share the common theme of overcoming adversity and improving your life. I enjoy the host, he is an excellent interviewer, and he really lets his guests tell their stories while providing the entertaining format in a listenable runtime. Now, I've got to tell you, that isn't me. When I read that, I was like, he's an excellent interviewer, but this is what the person said. They then go on to say, I've taken something valuable away from each episode I've listened to and I look forward to putting them on during my commute or wherever I need a dose of positivity in my day. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that review. And I wanted to share it because that's one of the reasons why I do the podcast. I love to hear how these stories, how these guests are transforming lives without even realizing it. You know, so many of you are anonymous, but please reach out, share how these episodes resonate with you. Um, please write a review on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen. It's just great to hear um, how it's impacting other people's lives. So let's just dive now straight into this week's episode, episode 56 with Michael Finkley. Michael, I'm really excited to finally have you on the Who I Became podcast. So welcome, Mr. Michael Finkley. Thank you so much for having me. I have been waiting for this for a while. And just to chat with my dear friend, it is an honor and a privilege. So thank you for having me, Simon. Well, I'm really excited because I know, I can't remember how we initially got connected, but we did. And then I came on your podcast 
which was a lot of fun. So the heat is on me now to make this conversation equally as fun as engaging. But you are you're a really interesting guy, Mike. And what I love about you is the work that you do in the community around education. So maybe for my listeners, tell them a little bit about where you are now, and then we'll sort of go back a little bit in time to work out why you do the things that you do. Yeah, definitely. So I have an educational consultant firm, the Finkley Experience, and we specialize in first-generation education. So what that looks like is that uh, we assist high school students with their college and career endeavors. We train school administrators on the state of first-generation and providing the best practices and how to handle this population while they're in secondary ed. And then also, too, we partner with colleges and universities to assist with their first-gen population for easier transition from high school to college. Uh, this is so important for me because I'm first generation. So this is why we do what we do. Workshops, in-person, motivational speakings, it all rolls into that to motivate the next generation of first generation students. And Michael, I've had to learn an awful lot being uh, an Englishman coming to the US, but I, but I was actually was looking at my statistics today for my podcast. It's into like 28, 29 countries. So um, I'll start off with saying not everyone would know what the sort of term first generation means. But do you mind explaining uh, what you mean by first generation? Yeah, definitely. So um, there is no universal um, definition when it comes down to uh, first generation um, students. Um, schools, higher ed institutions define it differently to fit within their realms or how they service their individual students. But if I were to give a universal definition is as students so their, their parents or guardians did not receive a, an associate's and or bachelor's degree. Uh, so they will be the first in their families to receive um, these type of degrees. Well, valuable work it really is, particularly uh, amongst certain groups, uh, certain ethnic groups um, here in America. So great. And also, well, let's cover it while we're here. So also the Michael Finkley Show. So tell us a little bit about what you do on the Michael Finkley Show. And I, I say I love it because your name is in the show. I mean, I don't know. Is there, is there an ego in there, Michael? Whenever the show is named after you, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. It's all branding. <laughs> very true, very true. So tell us about the Michael Finkley show. Oh, yeah. So we started back in 2020, April 13th, 2020, we launched. And we're now completing our third season of the Michael Finkley show. And our platform is just to inform, educate, and inspire um, everyone has a story and many people don't get a chance to go on these major platforms, right? And talk about their passions, their, their uh, you know, the, the dark times, the good times um, they've experienced in their lives. So they, they get to do that on our show. And we've had some amazing, amazing guests uh, right now. You were talking um, to one of them, so put me exactly, first, Michael. Right lead, with si lead with Simon Osmo, please. Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. And what an amazing story that you presented to our viewers as well. And it really went over very well. Um, almost interviewing 300 people within almost wow. two years. And wow. November 5th, we'll be celebrating 150 shows of the Michael Finkley show. So we're still rolling, still rolling. Well, impressive. And so we hear a lot of your sort of passion around education and to help, mm -hmm. you know, those first generation, those people that haven't been raised around education or people going to sort of higher education college yeah. and you know the Michael Finkley show is about educated form and inspire I mean what what drives you Michael what made you start these endeavors and what made you pursue your education are you one of the people that you talk around are you a first generation what, what was the motivation behind that yeah I am first generation 
And so um, my mom always told my sisters and I, you know, being a single mom and working two, three jobs at a time to make ends meet, she always told us to say, you know, have a career instead of a job. Didn't know what she was talking about until I actually started going to college and pursuing my professional endeavors. And so even at a very young, early age, I always wanted more because I knew there was something more out there for me. Um, so when I got to high school and I was in my senior year of high school, um, again, didn't know too much about college. I knew I wanted to be in education, but I know how to get started in that endeavor because I had my first black male teacher in the eighth grade and my only one in grade school. And he just inspired me. And I told myself right then and there, I want to do what he does. Right. I want to be that educator, that teacher that he is. And so that's why I, I, I dreamt after. And but again, I didn't know you had to go to college to do that. And so senior year, final year, right before we graduate and I have to apply to colleges. Oh, OK, let's get started. You know, um, that year, our school implemented college tours. And so I was able to go on a few college tours and see what that was all about, going from institution to institution. And I fell in one. I fell in love with one in particular. Uh, I thought that, you know, that you had to go to the school that uh, that accepted you first. So I, I, I applied to the school and they accepted me first. And I went to the school, um, had an awesome time. And in learning about who I am as an individual, I went to Allen University in Columbia, South Carolina my HBCU, and I found my voice, and I learned about my Blackness, um, again, HBCU standing for Historically Black College University, and just finding my voice and finding myself at this institution and seeing these examples of Black excellence and what it looks like, and, you know, seeing their fancy cars and their fancy clothes, right, and their doctorate degrees, and it just turned something on in me, just saying, they can do that? They can really have that? Well, I want it too. So right then and there, I told myself, I'm going all the way. I'm going to graduate with my bachelor's. I'm going to get my master's. And uh, currently, I'm working on my doctorate. Uh, so in the next few years, you will be hearing Dr. Finkley very, very soon. So um, just going forward and helping as many um, students, especially those minority students, as possible with the process and saying the message loud and clear, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. So go after it. And I mean, that is just impressive to to hear your journey, to hear your passion and to know that, you know, you started from high school, then a degree, then your master's and now you're going for a doctorate. I mean, I'm amongst a very educated person right now. I, I feel very unworthy with, with my bachelor's degree. But here's the interesting thing, though, Michael, and, it, and it's fascinating that, the, you know, you mentioned your, your mother and my mother is very near and dear to my heart yeah. as well. And the, the hard thing about life is that your mum saw that there was more for you than perhaps yeah. your, your upbringing and there's there's a lot of emotions there's a lot of challenges around that as a parent to raise a child knowing that i can't give my child everything they need but but there's more in the world for them i mean what 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 was it like perhaps maybe go back to that era when you know your mum was really saying to you michael there's a bigger world out there for you i want you to do more you know you, you've got to sort of try and break some of these stereotypes and do more what was that period like yeah, um, it was, you know, going through it as a child, you don't understand, you know, why they say some of the things they say or do some of the things they do. But again, my mom was always one for advocating for um, education, right? Even when we were younger, she would go on our field trips. She would go, she would go to parent teacher conferences and she was always involved. I remember uh, she did this to all of us. 
Uh, I'm the middle child. And so if we would get a word wrong on our spelling test, my mom would tell us to write it at least 25, 50 times. And then we would have to go to the teacher and show it to her. The teacher would have to sign off on it. And we have to give it back to mom, our mama to make sure that, hey, they saw it. Mom didn't play, you know, and all those type of things, you know, just stuck with, it stuck with us, me and my siblings, my sisters, it stuck with us. It really, really did. And, um, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have everything, right, as the other kids did, or, but we had what we needed to survive. And we had that loving, supporting, nurturing mom that said, career, 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 never said job, you know, um, you know, exposed us to various things um, within our communities and having those in-depth conversations with us. So she started it all. She was, she was our first teacher. So she started it all for us. And she's created a, a big demon, really, because you always hope that your children go on to aspire more than you ever will. You know, and my two sons, I hope that they go on to do more than I ever come. And I don't think you have children, Michael, but if you ever have children, uh, uh, where, where do they really go? Because it's like bachelor's degree, master's degree, doctorate you're going to have. She's really created a beast, but you're, you know, her, her future grandkids are going to have to, they've got a mountain to climb yeah. because if they're going to eclipse you, they're going to have to have two, two doctorates, two doctorates. But um, uh, but I joke, but the here's the interesting thing, though. Um, similar to you, I I love to inspire the next generation, and I, I sort of do a lot of work with public schools here in Minneapolis, and a lot of those are African, um, um, American kids, and it's really disheartening for me when I go and they sort of I think they get me there to talk about careers and life, and again to sort of inspire the next generation. Mm-hmm. But I'll say to those kids, and some of my regular listeners would have heard me say this before, but I'll say to them, what is it that you want to do? And they'll say, I want to be a supervisor at McDonald's. And I said, okay, no, no, dream, dream bigger than that. Well, okay, I want to be the, the area manager at McDonald's. It's like, no, no, just screw McDonald's. There's, there's nothing wrong with their burgers, but forget McDonald's. What, what is your wildest dream? Let's get you up here. So think about what is it you really want to do, and then let's try and work for there. And a couple of things happen when I go there. One, it's sad on my heart thinking that some of these kids don't have dreams and aspirations. Um, but then I also see the sort of a glint in their eye thinking maybe there is a better life out there for me. So I guess you being closer to it, um, what, what, what's it like when you inspire these sort of first generations and they could be people of colour to actually realise I can be somebody. I don't have to be pigeonholed and live this life. What what, what does it give you, Michael, when, when you when you inspire others? Oh, it gives me my juices, right? It gives me my energy I need in this, to continue forth. I've been in education now for the past 10 years. And of course, within this country, educators within higher ed or secondary ed or you know, within any realm of public school, uh, they don't get the correct pay. Right. They don't get correct. They deserve all the, the correct respect. Good government worker, Michael, you know, get over it. That's <laughs> well, you know, just I'm facts. joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Just getting facts. But, you know, it's just so it's such a, um, you know, encouraging and inspirational job, you know, position to be in. You know, um, you, students come back years later and say, you know, you made a difference in my life. Um, I, I finally understand what you were saying to me. Um, still current students present day, they call me, right? And they'll they'll say what they have to say that's so inspi- inspiring. And it, it gives me the energy to say, okay, 
I'm doing something right. Let me continue on. Let me continue forward because there's many more out there that need that same type of inspiration um, as an educator um, to see the overall professional, personal success that they can be in the future. And I'm hearing that, you know, you love to inspire and, and I love that about you. And it's one of the reasons why we came on to be friends outside of this podcast. But, you know, and you, you're on this trajectory, a real big, strong trajectory up with your education. Has there been times in your life when it might not have gone so well for you, where you failed or realized you weren't good at something? Uh, can you talk us about how you might have overcome? Definitely. definitely. Which, exa- which example you might be thinking? What do you want oh, me to talk about, Simon? Word. I actually have two. So when I first got to college, working on my bachelor's degree, uh, it was such an unfamiliar place, you know, the people and, you know, it was just a very, the surrounding areas, you know, it was just very, it was very much of a culture shock for me. Uh, so I wanted to drop out. I was going to drop out. I called my mom. I'm like, mama, come get me, please. And I'm ready to come home. And she was coming to get me. But my stepfather, now my stepfather, um, at, uh, at wasn't at the time. But he said to her, don't go get him. And she's like, I'm like, no, my mama loves me. She's not, she's going to come get me because I'm her only son that she ever had. That's what she always says to me. But she didn't come get me. She says that's your siblings, I'm sure, as well. You're my favorite. Stop <laughs> it. No, no division, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she didn't come get me. Simon, she did not come get me. Um, and it wasn't one of the most... Um, awesomest things, of course, besides giving birth to me, uh, that she could have ever done for me because I thrived in my my HBCU. I thrived in my school. I, um, you know, excelled in my studies. Uh, my major was English, so I was able to thrive in that and just become a part of that university family. Another one, another example I want to share is that, I've, like you said, I've always wanted to be a teacher, always wanted to be a teacher because I had that first Black male teacher in the eighth grade and I went to school, majored in English, had to go on a turn of way to get uh, my certifications as an educator here, here in the great state of South Carolina. Um, but I could never, ever pass the praxis, which is the test that you take to become certified to teach. It's a national test, and you have to make a certain amount um, on that test in order to gain your certification to teach anywhere. And so uh, I could never pass because I suck at standardized testing. When it came down to the SAT, ACT, all those different, I sucked at them. And so um, it always, I took it at least four or five times, but I never, ever could pass it. It's still present day. I have yet to pass the praxis, but I found other alternatives for me to still inspire through the educational system. I've still, I've taught within the educational system through federal grants that did not allow, um, I'm sorry, did not, um, need for me to be certified as a teacher because I know my content. I know what I'm talking about. Um, and j- again, to teach and your students grasp what you're teaching, even having students, uh, black males, right, that look up to me and they mock me in my speaking, right? That means I'm doing something right, right? So again, that was always something that just got to me, but I know that I've still touched lives through the the realm of education as a former teacher. So. And it's fascinating, and I should say, because, you know, I record these podcasts in audio and video, so if someone wants to see the video, they can always go to the YouTube channel 
yeah. and watchmen but people might be drawing an assumption in here i should say to people you know you actually you are black just to just to make sure to, oh, to yeah. clear up in case in, in case people are listening and wondering but but here's my question around that i've heard you say a couple of times about you know you're in the eighth grade when you had your first black sort of teacher I mean, maybe take me through a little bit, because you know I'm a black Englishman and mm -hmm. I've never really experienced too much of the sort of segregation of races like we have here in the US and a mm -hmm. lot of the, the, the bias that goes on. But um, why was it so important to you to have that sort of mature, respected sort of black role model that you could look up to? And I only ask that question, Michael, because you mentioned it a couple of times. So I want to make sure we dive into that. Yeah, definitely. So um, within the States, Right, the United States. Uh, when you think of education, you think of it's a it's a it's very much so dominated by um, white females, right? I've had countless um, white females as teachers within my stint from first to twelfth um, grade. Um, but when I had that experience as an eighth grader, and I saw that this male looked like me, he looked like me. Right. We were from the same area. We were from um, different aspects of um, different aspects of uh, um, of where we were from. He lived on one side of town. I lived on the other side. Um, but, you know, he looked like me. Right. And that made the difference. Someone that can relate to me. And that made that truly made the difference. And so it just I just grasped on it. It was something that I. Uh, it was an experience that I still, you know, I'm thankful for. And that's what made me truly want to go into the field of education. And I imagine that you don't say, and it's the same in Minnesota where I am. I think a lot of the teachers, I believe in my son's school, it could be like one or two male teachers. So I think everyone fights after having this sort of uh, male sort of role model and stuff. But, but I guess... Is that one of the reasons that drives you to sort of be that role model in other people's lives now, oh. um, knowing there's a gap? Definitely. Definitely. Um, I've learned in this, this life of mine, all 32 years, especially within this, this realm of education, to pay it forward. That was his way of paying it forward. Didn't know at the time, right? But that was his way of paying it forward, just showing up. And my my job is to continue to show up and to continue to uh, be that role model and just educate as many and as much, fill that mind as much as possible. So it's all about paying forward. And and paying it forward for you, you've also built like curriculums. I know one of the programs that you have is now the Thinkly Experience. And again, mm -hmm. there's a theme coming here. You love your name, Michael. I mean, you're 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 I a proud <laughs> you're, you're, you're a proud mummy's boy. And I can see that and and hear that. But you, your name is in everything. I like it. But so, so the Thinkly experience then is about helping those first generation students. You're also a, an author. Um, you know, you're doing it again, inspiring work. But tell us about the Thinkly experience. What are you doing through that to help the next generation? Yeah. So as stated earlier, you know, we just stand for first generation education. Now, it's not just for first generation students. Uh, we cater to them, but the same information they learn, it can still go forward with you know, second generation, third generation as well, because the information is very, very needed and valid. And again, we do this by way of workshops, um, in person, virtually, we do speaking engagements. We we just cater to the needs of our clients that come to us and say, hey, what do you need from us, right? And how can we tailor our program to your needs and desires for your students? Again, this is another way of paying forward and giving back to that community 
that did us so well when we were in high school and even in college. So this is how we give back. This is how we give back. And I think sticking on the minorities or um, ethnic minorities, whatever you want to call them, I'm getting confused now between my English and, and American and my terms. So everyone's going to be wondering what's going on here. But you know, if you pick on those sort of um, African Americans to to a degree for for a second, I spoke to a woman called Raven Harris on a previous podcast, and she was, I believe, originally from Georgia. Uh, and I'll I'll link to her episode in the show notes so people can listen. But it was fascinating to me because she was she's a woman of color in a, a southern state, I believe it was Georgia, where she was what you'd consider sort of first generation, and she was saying, but no one had really primed her or educated her on what to expect when she got to college and then when she got there she said she felt really uh, sort of ill-prepared or unprepared similar to the emotions that you were feeling as in you know mum come and get me out of here what what on earth am I doing I mean is there a problem in the educational system without helping more disadvantaged people no matter what ethnicity they are or is this a, a society problem a culture problem um, and about the preparedness for secondary education or, or, or college education, as I say, here in the U.S.? Yeah, uh, so I feel that it's different for each district. Um, some districts have more opportunities, a larger budget uh, to give to their students their opportunities to explore college or career readiness um, in that right. And we have those districts that don't have the funds, right, to give them that extra something they need in order to be successful or prepare them for that. So it just, I truly different, I truly know that it depends on the district. Um, I was in one of those districts that did not have the funds available to prepare us, even though our first, uh, my class 2007 was, I think the first or second class that was uh, granted an opportunity to go on college tours, but it wasn't everybody, it was just a group of us. Right. It was like 99 to 100 students in my class, but we they couldn't reach everybody because, again, restricted funding um, in that. Right. Um, so I, I definitely know that that is a down a downfall. Um, and it could, again, have those have those repercussions as our students, even myself, as I stated before, you know, I, I didn't want to stay because it was a culture shock. I, didn't, I wasn't familiar with the environment. Uh, you know, even though I went to an all-black school, it was just so different for me. <laughs> Being around black people all the time, it was so different. It was definitely so different. So definitely it starts with schools. And then also to this, um, and I feel that schools are getting better with this. Um, we have what we call our school counselors. Back in the day, it used to be called guidance counselors to assist in that process of college and career readiness, in which they still do in so many different aspects. Well, I'm learning being in this profession for 10 years. School counselors have a lot to do. They have behavior problems to deal with. Um, They are registrars, so they deal with school courses and registering students for classes, you know, um, other things that they need in order for them to be an effective school counselor. And sometimes when it comes down to college and career readiness, they're not as as effective as they need to be. And sometimes the cracks get um, the students go some students go through the cracks right some school counselors just check off the list i've done this event and so i'm going to move on to something else and i'm truly being there 100 percent for this process now some schools are warming up and actually hiring college counselors so they focus primarily on college readiness and career readiness 
a lot of career specialists are coming up in, in the works right now, too. So I feel slowly but surely schools are getting it. But, you know, th that's that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with. And I feel that on the back end, our students are having those struggles as they go off with their first year of college. And you're playing your part in that, a huge part just by your own journey. But I guess as I keep reflecting back as to, you know, your, your mother telling you to have a career, not have a job, mm -hmm. you know, your, your journey for getting your degree, getting your master's. And uh, I think I've never asked you your age, Michael, but I think you hinted there you're 32. I, I'm an elephant. I never, <laughs> I, never, I never, never forget his speech. You know, you're 32. You're now starting to get your, go for your doctorate. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you've told a little bit about your upbringing. Obviously, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, you're not a person of means because of your, your upbringing. I, I mean, what, what is the end state for you, Michael? I guess, when is enough? What keeps driving you? What, 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 is it, what does it look like? Well, I keep driving myself, right? I keep driving myself. I'm never in competition with anyone else, only in, in myself, right? What can I do next, right? Enjoy the moment you know, celebrating those successes, but also thinking, what can I do next to make me a better me in order to be effective for others? And so um, <laughs> I talked to my sisters and we kind of pick at each other. Uh, my older sister has her master's and we're always in competition with one another, like a playful type thing. Our youngest sister, she's finishing up her um, bachelor's program. Yay. So she'll be finished with that next year. And so um, I was telling my sisters, you know, after I finished my doctorate, you know, she asked me, are you going to still go to school? I'm like, probably so, you know, probably getting some type of certification or so take a class here and there or something to make pique my interest. I'm a lifelong learner, right? Um, I am a lifelong teacher as well, but I, I take that into the learning aspect as well. So what's, what's the future hold for me in that realm? I'm not 100% sure. And I feel that's okay. Because that means that I have a mind to still learn and expand my knowledge on any type of subject matter out there. And here's a question for you, and it, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. But if you've removed perhaps the influence of your mother saying, have a career, don't have a job, and her kicking your backside, if I can say that, to, to make sure you, you got this done and said, you know, if you didn't have that, do you believe? who you've become, and I, I should get a bell every time I say my own line on the podcast here, but do you believe you, you've become who you are because of that influence, or do you feel that you would have naturally gravitated towards sort of fighting for the underdog, trying to prove the educational system, trying to keep striving to become, you know, better than what you were the, the, the previous day? How, how much of that do you tie into the faith that was put into you by, by your mum and the kick on the backside saying you can't fail michael i love the kick on the backside you're so safe with this simon i love it <laughs> um but no that was the that was the again our, our parents our guardians are our first teachers and so when you hear these type of things growing up that is a major influence it is the influence it sets the standard and so my mom set the standard for my sisters and i that's what she did i feel that we didn't have that type of guidance because she was guiding us right and she still does you know, um, she still supports us in all of our different endeavors, professionally, educationally, whatever it is. She's uh, she's there 100 percent of the way. She just wants us to be our best selves and live our best life. So if we didn't have that, I feel that we would be having a different conversation if we would have met at all. Right. Um, so definitely it made an impact and it shaped my thinking to where I am today. 
And it's funny, and I, I mentioned my um, dear mother quite a lot in my podcast because, yes. like, like any mother, she's my biggest fan. But we were yeah. talking after one of the episodes. I come in when it was, and you know, she hears me talk about having an absent father, and sometimes she, you know, she feels sorry for that. And I say, "Mum, that's just part of life. You know, please don't yeah. take what I say. This is just me as a man now expressing um, sort of how tough it was growing up without a sort of male role model. There's nothing that we can really do about that. That is life as to what it is." But she said to me one day about, you know, I said, you know, everything I've achieved is because of you, uh, mum. And she said, well, actually, she said, you know, you've done this thing. You've done all this stuff on your own. Everything you've achieved is down to you. And she said that some people have two parents in their life and still don't achieve the things that you've done, That's true. Um, which, is, which is very true. And I think it doesn't really matter whether you've got one parent, two parents. What really matters is that someone places faith in you Someone sees things, something in you that they can harness, help nurture and bring out in you. And it doesn't matter whether that's a, a woman doing the perceived man's role of being the head of the father, you know, the head of the family, or whether it's a man having to sort of raise a, a daughter on his own. It's just being there in someone's life and, and telling them that I, I see something in you and you can do more than what you're doing now to help and inspire them. Exactly. Exactly. And so I want to just end on a couple of questions for you. And so the first one, Michael, is about in your 32 years now, from where you started to where you are, what is your biggest self-discovery? What's the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself? Wow. So last year was a very dark time for me, even in the midst of me starting my own platform. And um, it allowed me uh to i'm a very spiritual person so i call him god you may call him something else or call it something else but i had a um an awakening of myself god put a mirror to my face and some of the things that i was practicing you know telling other people you know inspiring other people i was not doing myself and i, I didn't realize that i wasn't doing those type of things and so um, it really put me back. It, it really humbled me. So I feel that um, within that whole process, I'm more humbled than ever. I watch what I say. If I don't, if I don't live it, I don't say it. Right? If I don't live it, I don't say it. Um, because I want to practice what I preach. Everything that I say, I want to practice what I preach. Oh, I'm more, as they say, woke <laughs> um, to my abilities. I am um, becoming more of myself. They always say that when you reach your 30s, you are um, you start realizing different things that you didn't realize in your 20s. And in these two years in my 30s, it has been proven fact um, to me of becoming who I am as an individual and what I can bring to the table in different arenas. So just to say all that, to say, I'm learning more about myself each and every day. And that's exciting. That really is exciting because I get to become, again, that, that better person. And therefore, if I know who I am, therefore I can be that much more effective to the people I come in contact each and every day. I love it, brother. I love it. Deliver it, Michael. Deliver it. And I'm actually, I made a decision in my mind. When someone says who I became, Bell's going to chime on the podcast. So you're going to be the first bell. You're going to listen out. There's going to be a bell chime now. Mm -hmm. 40 seconds ago, the, the bell would have rung when Michael said who I became. So 
And so great, great answer. So here's the, the second question I would say. So you were raised in very humble beginnings from uh, at one point, a, a single parent, your mother and your, your siblings, mm-hmm. and you have pulled yourself out to you know, become very well educated. You're now starting your doctorate at 32 years old, which is, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Um, you're inspiring me not to start getting a doctorate, Michael, but you're, you're inspiring me. So, so there might be people that listen or there might be people that are listening that know someone that has this attitude. If someone says, I can't do that, or if someone says, but that's not me, if someone says, I'm poor to do that, or if someone says, I don't have the funds to do that, or if someone just says, I, I, I just can't get my mind to, to see further than where I am right now, what is the biggest piece of life lesson that you can share with someone, knowing that you were raised from very humble beginnings and you've gone on to achieve incredible success. What would you say to someone if someone's having that self-doubt or limited belief? I would say this. We have a right to that, right? We have a right to um, sit, right? Sit in those um, unsure places in our life, right? Uh, Growing up, I was told not to do that. But I finally realized as an adult that I have a right to. The only difference is that I don't stay there. I don't stay in that negative space. I, I learn, I listen, right? And I get up and then I start moving again, right? So we can have those moments in life. Definitely have those moments in life. They're a part of us, but they don't have to make us. They don't have to break us either. So if you have an idea, if you have that next venture, it's going to take some time. You're going to have those hard and tough moments, but still pursue it. Continue to walk. I don't care if you have to crawl first, right? That means that you're still moving. This idea of my show, right, started years ago, but I was able to launch on last year. And now because I'm I'm consistent with it, now because that, you know, I believe in it, there's a mission behind this permanently now, um, I'm able to interview amazing people, people that I saw on television when I was growing up. I'm able to talk with them now. Now I can actually call them on my phone and have these in-depth conversations with them. The other day, I... I was talking with Les Trent from Inside Edition, and I was telling him, I really want to break into this industry. I need some guidance. How can you, how, how can this happen for me? And he sat there and he talked with me for a good 20, 30 minutes. Uh, he, and I was able to ask all the questions that I wanted. So building those relationships, I'm able to now go on red carpets and, you know, again, interview these different types of celebrities. Jennifer Hudson, Oscar, Emmy, winner, um, you know, um, Grammy winner, American Idol alumnus, she's able to like my posts on social media. So these these things happen because I didn't stop. You can't stop. With my consulting firm, I was able to speak at Harvard University. This is a country boy from Mullen, South Carolina. So you cannot stop. You cannot stop. You can stop yourself in the process. You can definitely stop yourself. You can be a hindrance to yourself. But again, have those moments. Have those moments, but move on, move on, because someone is out there is wanting and listening to you. They want to hear that next word from you. They want to see, uh, hear the encouraging words from you. They want to see your face. They want to see you win because they're seeing you do these things. They say to themselves, they can do it. I can do it too. So let's just keep moving. Keep moving. I don't care if it hurts. The other day I was, I was so afraid, literally, this happened a few weeks ago. Um, for an event I was um, going to present uh, for my show on a red carpet. I wasn't going to go because I was scared. I was not going to go because I was scared. But I went in fear. 
I went in fear and I made it happen. So once I got there and I started talking, I got to my groove. I'm like, why was I afraid? Why was I scared? So now once it was over, I'm like, I'm ready for the next day. But I continued to move. Stay moving. Stay in motion. I promise you, you would get to where you need to be and define your own personal success. Become who you are in the future, who you will become. Well, Michael, if there is anyone that is listening that isn't inspired right now, I don't know what else I can really deliver for them. And I was thinking, why did it take me so long to get me on the show? It's been a great honor and a privilege to talk to you. And I know that people are going to listen to your story and they're just going to hear how dedicated you are to helping the next generation and how much you've really taken the praise and the love of your mother and your pain at forward for the good of society. So thank you for joining me on the show. But just before you leave, Mr. Michael Finkley, the Finkley Experience, the Finkley Show, everything's got your, your name in it. You know, I don't know what your next venture is, but where, where can people find you if they can't find you through the Michael Finkley Show, the Michael Finkley Experience? Uh, yes. So you can actually find me there <laughs> in all those different elements. So for the show, uh, visit our website, michaelfinkleyshow.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, for the Finkley Experience, finkleyexperience.com. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and also on Twitter as well. Um, we're also on LinkedIn, just Michael D. Finkley. So reach out to us. I answer back, I promise you. And just quickly, I know I've sort of done this a little bit out of order, but on the Finkley experience, I want to make sure this is clear. Who is your target customer there? Who can you help through that? Is that if there are teachers and people in education listening or these individuals that say, I might want to go through that program? Just make sure it's super clear who, who you can help with that program, Michael. Definitely. So for, again, for the Finkley experience, it is for high school students, right? Um, educators, they're looking to uh, familiarize themselves with best practices of helping their first-generation students. Um, colleges and organizations, nonprofits, societies, fraternities, sororities, you know, that deal with um, college readiness and also that population of students. Again, we specialize in first-generation, but the information is for everyone. Well, Michael, I really encourage my listeners to go and check out his stuff. He's incredible. And I've featured on his podcast as well. So, Michael Finkley, thank you for joining me on the Who I Became podcast. Thank you for joining the Who I Became podcast. To help spread this inspiring story, be sure to share it with your friends, hit the like button, and of course, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss out on any future episodes. We'd also love to hear how this story impacted you. So leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching us from. To learn more about this episode, our guests, or Simon, head over to simonosimo slash podcast and sign up to receive the latest information delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast.